it's really this win-win. And what I want you to understand is that once you go through, it's like you're creating that opportunity together. When something goes bad in a sponsoring relationship, you actually have that person to help you navigate the difficult situations to help make sure you have that success. Welcome to Ambition Theory, Women in Construction. This show asks questions that everybody is thinking about, but doesn't want to say out loud. It's about tackling complex topics like why are there so few women in senior leadership positions? What is it going to take to change this? Each episode is a combination of motivation and tactical strategies to get ahead. We get out of our comfort zones and we take action. We learn, grow, and create opportunities. I am your host, Andrea Jansen, a certified executive coach with an MBA, and since 2018, I've coached over a thousand construction professionals to level up their leadership. Let's get started. Back in September of 2022, Ambition Theory hosted a free series called How Men and Women Can Create Opportunities Together. It was a three-part series, and today we are sharing part two. It is called Why Sponsorship, Not Mentorship, is the Answer to Accelerating the Path to Leadership for Women in Construction. If you haven't listened to session one yet, you can go back and listen to that first. I really hope you enjoy this series as much as our live participants did. When I started Ambition Theory over five years ago, I knew that if we genuinely wanted to make the construction industry inclusive for women, that change needed to start at the top. But five years ago, nobody was ready to hear this message. Something has shifted recently, though, and it's really exciting. Organizations are reaching out because they want us to do a presentation for their leadership teams, and in some cases, the entire company. They see that up until now, the burden of change has rested entirely on the shoulders of women. If this message speaks to your association or company, we want to hear from you. Visit ambitiontheory.com forward slash book a call to learn how you can book a presentation for your organization. I want to talk about kind of why we're here. And this is a quote that was in the Financial Post in July. And it says, labor shortages are leading to canceled projects in superheated construction sector. So here's the thing. There is a talent shortage right now. And the reality is there are not enough people to do all the work. So the reason that we want to attract more women to the industry is that the reality that many companies are facing is that they might have to turn down work. So we actually need to make that industry more attractive to women so that you can actually deliver all the projects that are available. And this is a quote from the Associated General Contractors Association of America. Women are absolutely an untapped market. We are fighting workforce shortages with one hand tied behind our back. So really, how do we leverage this population that could really help move the industry forward. And then Brian also said, it's everything from the basis. Take the pinup calendar off the trailer wall to more fundamental changes in thinking about how do we create an environment that's more welcoming? How do we listen to new people? And that is what we're going to talk about today. We're not going to talk about what needs to happen on the job site. That's a topic for another day. But we're really going to talk about how do we actually make this environment welcoming to women 
So they actually want to come and work in the construction industry, want to build their careers here. And how do we listen to them? How do we actually leverage the strengths that they bring to the table to bring value to the company and grow the company and move things forward? Last week, I just want to review what we talked about. So we talked about how women leaders bring value to their companies. This is just a quick summary. So they bring positive team dynamics. They can enhance relationships with clients and external team members. There's a diversity of perspectives. So there's new ideas and conclusions. They hold people to a higher professional standard. They better resolve conflicts and they win more jobs. And this is feedback that we got from our National Women in Construction Survey. So this was almost 300 women from across Canada answering the question, how has being a woman been an advantage and how have you been able to deliver value to your company? So those are all the reasons how women contribute to their companies. And we talked about transactional versus transformational leadership. And I'll quickly review this. On one side is the transactional side, which is that typical top-down approach. So that's about supervising, delegating, managing performance, giving feedback when things are going well, giving critical feedback when things are not moving along. The other side of the spectrum is the transformational side where you are inspiring others, you're helping people see their strengths and inviting them into that vision. And the cool thing about the construction industry is that we absolutely need both sides of the spectrum. So one is not better than the other. So you need to lean into your transactional skills when you're managing a project, delivering on a tight timeline, really bringing trades together because construction is not a one-person show. You really need to bring people together. You need to manage all of those steps. And that is really, really important. And the transformational side of the spectrum is really important when you're doing business development, building those relationships. If you have a problem that you've never faced before, so you have no idea how to solve it, Leveraging that transformational approach is really important because you can actually present the problem to the team and then invite everybody to contribute. So as the leader, it actually takes some of the pressure off you because you're not responsible to know the answer 100%. You can actually leverage that expertise of the team. And the cool thing about this is when you're able to use your transformational leadership skills in the industry, it actually makes the capability of the team exponentially greater than anything that leader could do on their own. So when you leverage those transactional skills, it's really relying on your expertise as a leader to download that to the team. But if you're leveraging those transformational skills, it's about leveraging your ability to influence others and invite them in. So you're actually getting the skills of every single person on the team. The team becomes exponentially smarter. In construction, we talked about last time how the dominant style is transactional. And that is because the industry is so dominated by men and researchers have studied this model. And what they found is men naturally veer more towards the transactional side, women more towards the transformational side. And the leadership skills that are reinforced, the leadership skills that are rewarded are typically more on that transactional side of the spectrum. And that is one of the reasons why men and women don't rise to leadership at the same rate. And I know I went through this really quickly, but it's just some people are joining us and they weren't here on Monday. So I want to get everyone up to speed. So we had a great question from Michael last time. He said, Andrea, when you're working with companies, when you're working on a cultural transformation, how do you actually make sure they don't fail? And I was like, hmm, that's a great question. And because you could set a company up for failure, right? Tell them to do all these things. And how do you know it's going to work? How do you manage that risk that it doesn't go completely wrong? And 
One thing that is different than the, the approach that we take versus any other consultant or leadership development company that you work with in the construction industry is we take a transformational approach to everything that we do, to how we work with companies. One thing that we do is like we really make sure that if we're going to try to do something, instead of actually telling the client what to do, we work with the client and take that coaching perspective. We ask them the questions and we help them articulate what that goal is. We help them develop the strategy. It's more like we pull it out of them instead of kind of taking that top down a throat. So we invite them in to be curious. We invite them in to set a vision. And then we work with them to figure out how are we going to implement that? Because you know your business better than we do. So you'll be able to see the risks. And we are the ones asking you the questions to help you identify those. So that's a great question that Michael had. So thank you to Michael for that. And then the other thing someone asked was, how do you know what the end game is? Like, what are we striving for? Like, what is the point of this? What is that kind of vision that we want to achieve? And after we stop the recording, the best stuff always happens when you stop recording. We actually took a couple of minutes to do a quick coaching exercise. This is, I think, the reason why most organizations get overwhelmed by their diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives. Because remember that no judgment rule, it is really hard for us not to judge. So what we did at the end of the session last time, we actually imagined like, what would it be like if we implemented all these things? What if we had more transformational leaders? What if we were evaluating leadership behaviors, both on the transactional and the transformational side? What would happen to companies? So with Michael, we actually did this exercise and this is what he was able to imagine. He said, we are like the company, we are the partner of choice. So if anybody has a construction project, they go to us because we are the one that they want to work with. We get to select our own customers. So we get to choose who we work with. We're not desperate for business. My applicant pool is bigger than my peers. We have a deep capacity to listen internally and externally. Employees are saying, I'd be crazy to leave this place. Customers are drawn toward us. We are more innovative and we're actually able to monetize this because people want to work with us because the culture is so strong. So that is an example of the approach that we take, which is inviting you to kind of come up with what could be possible. I want to take a minute and actually see if anybody in the Zoom room today wants to add to this visualization exercise. And remember, I am not going to judge you because what typically happens to people is they're like, yeah, it would be great if we had more women on our leadership team, but we don't have a pipeline. We don't have any women at the manager level. So how are we supposed to get them at the executive level? So you kind of go to judgment right away. So what I want you guys to do, just throw some ideas out there in the chat of like what would be possible if we were able to really implement all the things that we're talking about this week. Okay, so Julie says job satisfaction and little to zero burnout. Angelo says continuous improvement. Don't think there is an end game. Oh, I love that. We can accept more projects and be able to complete them without pushing people beyond their limits. I'm always happier and satisfied when my boss understands what it is like to be a nursing mom. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah. So this is what's possible, right? This is kind of what we're working towards. This is kind of the vision that we have and it's exciting. And so thank you for contributing to that because sometimes we get so stuck in our judgment of thinking about these incremental changes that we can make, but it's so much more powerful if you can see that bigger picture 
And then when you know that bigger picture, the first step becomes more clear. So thank you so much for letting go of that judgment and participating in this today. And, and Angelo says, freedom to be yourself and acceptance. So that's really what could be possible if we leverage these concepts. Now we're going to talk about actually something that you can do to create opportunities. And that is why we're here today to talk about sponsorship. I love this concept because it's all about opportunities. It's all about win-win. And literally, if you embrace this concept, no matter whether you are sponsoring someone or you are getting sponsored, you're a protege. That's the language to describe this concept. You are benefiting. You're creating opportunities for your company. You're delivering value and you're moving things forward. So that's why I love this concept. But before we go any further, I want to talk about mentorship because there are so many mentorship programs for women in the industry. And I'm actually curious, people, you can type this in the chat. Like, have you been exposed to a mentorship program either in your company or in your industry or heard about one? I'm curious. So Ali hasn't. Charmaine says yes. Angelo says yes. Okay, awesome. And this is something that is really common. So Julie says yes in companies and industry and community. So Charmaine or Ali hasn't seen one, which is okay. Ali, because then you can just start embracing sponsorship right away. You don't need to worry about kind of changing old behaviors. You can just go right out of the gate embracing sponsorship. So typically what happens, I don't know about you, but most of the advice given to women these days is like, if you want to be successful, you need to find a mentor. And typically how this plays out. So you're a woman, you are looking to get to that next level. So you meet with your mentor. So mentor someone more senior than you, either in the industry or in your company. And you're like, how do I get to the next level? And they're like, you know what? It's really important for you to understand the business side of construction. That's a skill you need to learn. You need to know that to rise to that next level of leadership. And you're like, okay, great. How do I learn about this? And your mentor will say, you could read a book, maybe drop some names. Here's some people in our company that work in business development. They might tell you a story about how they learned the business of construction. And you leave your meeting with your mentor and you're super excited. You're pumped. You're like, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to learn the business of construction. And you get back to your desk or your job site. And it's like staring at a blank wall. You're like, okay, great. I read the book. How do I implement this? Like, where do I actually practice this skill? How do I do that? And it's really up to you to figure that out. You know, those names that the mentor drop, great. You're like, I'm going to email them, but they don't know who I am. So they're probably not going to respond. Or if I try to call them, they're probably not going to pick up the phone because they don't know who I am. And typically this, how this plays out for women is that women are given advice. They're prepared for the opportunity, but at the end of the day, it's up to the mentee to figure out how to implement that advice, how to create that opportunity and how to move forward. So that's typically how it plays out for women. How it typically plays out for men is different. And again, this is based on research. So this is not my opinion. Researchers have studied how men and women rise to leadership. And this is what they found. So typically what happens for men is like you're that young man and you're like, how do I get to the next level? You ask your mentor, what do I need to do? They say, oh, you need to know the business of construction. You need to understand how the business works. You should learn about business development. And guess what? Tomorrow I'm meeting for lunch with the VP of business development, why don't you come along with me? So you get to, the man gets to go to that lunch. They meet the VP of business development. They're talking about how they're excited. They want to grow their career. And that VP of business development is like, you know what? I am pitching a client next week. Why don't you come along with me? At that meeting, the VP is like, you know what? I have 10 slides to present. Why don't you present three? If you screw up, I'll be here. I can jump in and you do it. So typically for a man, they're thrown into that situation and they're forced to learn and figure out as they go. 
One thing to note is this doesn't happen on purpose. This is a way that unconscious bias shows up. So for women, it's about actually it has really good intentions. It's like I'm going to give the women all of this advice. I'm going to share all of my experience with them because I want the woman to be prepared for when that opportunity arises so that she does a really great job so that she knocks it out of the park. So that's really where that bias shows up. Women are biased this way. Men are biased this way. It's not men versus women. It's just the way that we are socialized in our society. So that's how it plays out. And I have a question for you. Who do you think is going to get ahead faster? The woman who's preparing for the opportunity or the man who is thrown into the situation and is learning as they go? So Ali says men. Yes, absolutely. I want to get a little bit grainy about this because it is important to understand the difference. So in the reality today, in our language, we use the word mentor very loosely. And we usually describe what um, getting opportunities as mentorship as well. So we use the word mentor to describe all of these behaviors, but it's really important for you to understand the difference. So the main difference is in a mentoring relationship, the onus to create opportunities is on the mentee. So the mentor has no direct influence over the outcome. So that mentor could give you really, really great advice. You could use it. You could get promoted because you did what they said. But at the end of the day, no credit goes back to the mentor. They're just kind of on their own, like living their life, doing their job. Your mentor could give you some really, really bad advice. You could go and implement it and completely fail. And you know what? Oop, the mentor's just going on with their life. Like nothing happens to them. So it's really the onus to take action is 100% on that mentee to figure out like, what am I going to do with all of this advice? From a sponsorship perspective, the main difference is the onus great opportunities is shared. So just like how those two men went and they pitched the client together, they're, they're both in it together. They're creating that opportunity together. And the sponsor, so the sponsor is the senior person. The protege is the junior person. They both have capacity to influence the outcomes together. So that is the main difference. The difference in this case is skin in the game. So in a sponsorship relationship, there is skin in the game in both places. So if you, as that senior person, you put someone forward, you bring someone along, you create an opportunity for them, and it goes really well, it comes back on you. So you look really great as well. But the opposite is also true. If you give an opportunity to someone and they completely screw it up, it actually, your reputation is on the line as well. And this is a really powerful example. And I want to tell you a story. So I presented this presentation last week to a group of executives. And one of the stories this person said, and this illustrates the concept of sponsorship perfectly, is he told me, he's like, Andrea, we hired this great woman last year. You know what? She actually came up to me at the company barbecue to say, thank you for giving me this opportunity. And I never met this woman in my life. And I'm like, okay, tell me more. This sounds like there's something there. So what happened that this was a laborer and they were working on a project. And typically when the project was over, they would lay everybody off. But in this case, the foreman actually recommended this person for another project. And the president of this company approved it and put this person on the other project. I was so curious. I'm like, so did you do that for other people? Like how many people on this project did you keep? And they're like, no, we just kept a couple. I said, well, why did you pick this person and not somebody else? This is what, the, what they said to me. They said, the foreman actually said, I could teach people the skills of the job. I can teach people how to do the job, but I can't teach them motivation. 
And this person has that skill. Like they're able to motivate the team. They're able to contribute. They're able to bring new ideas. They're, in, they're inspiring others on the team. So that's a valuable skill for our company. And you know what? We should move this forward. And the powerful thing about this, so Brian, who's the president of this company, had never met this woman. All he did was he knew this foreman. I trust them. You know what? This foreman's putting their reputation on the line and pushing this person forward. So absolutely, I'm going to open the door. This is what's so powerful about sponsorship is that it does not take a lot of time. This president never actually had to meet the woman to open the door and create that opportunity for her. It was really relying on that social capital and that foreman saying, you know what, if I bring someone forward, if I recommend this employee for the other project and they contribute a lot, like they contribute to inspiring the team, they contribute to that culture on the job site, that actually looks good on me too. So it's a win-win for everybody. Every time we ask our clients, what else is needed to help make the construction industry more inclusive? We always hear the same thing. We need men to get involved. They need to understand what it's really like for women in the industry. But whenever we speak to men who want to be better allies in the workplace, they're often not exactly sure what they can do to help. And that is why we came up with our latest free training, How Men and Women Can Create Opportunities Together. In this three-part series, we dig into the differences between transactional and transformational leadership. We look at why we need sponsorship versus mentorship, and we discuss how to build more inclusive cultures. Most importantly, we share practical ways both men and women can start making change within their companies right away. To access the replay, go to ambitiontheory.com forward slash together and please share it with the women and especially the men that you work with. I'll tell you another example, and this is a personal example. And to be honest, I don't think ambition theory would be where it's at today if this person didn't give me this opportunity. So five years ago, when I was really struggling to get the company off the ground, just really figuring things out, I got my first construction client and it was in a company in Ottawa. And their office was small and they had, they wanted me to do workshop for all the women on their team. Their office was too small. So they actually rented the training room in the Ottawa Construction Association building. So that's where we were going to be hosting the workshop. And I thought in my mind before I got there, you know what? It would be great if I could meet the training manager of this association, because maybe we could create an opportunity. Maybe we could offer this training to the industry. I thought that in my head. So I go to this workshop. There was a senior leader from this company there. His name is Kevin. He was going to introduce the workshop, talk about why women in construction is important. And then he was going to go back to his job. I said, Kevin, why don't you stay? I'm going to be presenting some information about women in construction. Like maybe you'll find it interesting. Maybe you'll learn something. Why don't you stay? He said, oh, Andrea, that's fine. It was like eight in the morning. He's like, I'll introduce you. I have a meeting at nine so I can stay for a few minutes. And then I have to go. And I'm like, okay, great. Then I look over, it's 10 o'clock and he's still there. He's clearly engaged. He's learning. He's happy. We had a break. He walks up to me with two people behind him and says, Andrea, I want to introduce you to these two people. This is the training department from the Ottawa Construction Association. I just told them that we should do this for the whole industry. So this happened. And if you reverse engineer it, it's exactly what sponsorship is. So what I did by inviting him to stay for my workshop, I was allowing him to vet me. 
before you give someone opportunity, you have to know they're good. I'm comfortable aligning my reputation with theirs. I know that if I open this door for them, it's not going to go bad. So I invited them to see this is what I'm capable of. He obviously was okay aligning his reputation with mine. And so he gave me that opportunity. The thing for me is I absolutely could have gone to the reception desk and asked for the name, but the likelihood of me getting through was pretty low. So I got their contact information. I called them the next week. Of course, they answered my phone because Kevin had already advocated for me. We put forward a proposal, but things were not easy. The thing about sponsorship, it's all about human behavior. It's all about creating that opportunities and moving forward together. So we did this proposal and I was not local to Ottawa and they weren't used to working with people that weren't local. The cost was a little bit high and they weren't really ready to spend that kind of money. That was the objection. Instead of it being over, it could have easily been over. We move on with our lives. But Kevin gave me a call and he said, Andrea, the, the price is the issue. What can we do about it? And I said, okay, let's give a discount. Fine, whatever. So give the discount. We move forward. We are going to do this workshop. But the thing that I want you to understand is that this association had actually taken a risk, right? Like they committed financially to do this thing. They didn't really know if anyone was actually going to buy tickets and if they could actually make money off of this opportunity, because that's really what training is for these associations. It's a revenue generating situation. But because Kevin and I were creating this opportunity together, he had skin in the game. So he wanted to make sure this was successful. So he took a couple of minutes and reached out to his contacts in Ottawa and said, you know what? I'm sending five people from my company. Will you send some people from your company? He reached out to those decision makers and then they actually signed up for the course. And it was to the point where we had 70 people in this workshop. What I learned later is that is not typical. Typically they get like 15 to 20 people in a session. So it was very successful. Yes, they thanked me. Oh, Andrea, thanks. This was wonderful. Great. But if you think about it down the road, when they're looking at their urine review, what were our best training sessions? Where did we make the most money? What were these opportunities that we created? At that point, I'm kind of out of the picture. Kevin's on the board and they're like, thank you, Kevin, for creating this opportunity. So it's really that Kevin gets credit for it. I get credit for it. And it doesn't take away from everybody. It's really this win-win. What I want you to understand is that once you go through, it's like you're creating that opportunity together. When something goes bad in a sponsoring relationship, you actually have that person to help you navigate the difficult situations, to help make sure you have that success. Where in that mentoring relationship, if Kevin could have said to me, Andrea, when you're there, go to the, go to the front desk and see if you can get the number of the person to call, really it probably wouldn't have gone anywhere because there's no one helping me navigate the situation. So that's the main difference between sponsorship and mentorship. And now I want to talk about this. So at Ambition Theory, what we do is we have been working with women in construction for five years. What we do is our expertise is how do we get women advancing to the next level? How do we help them develop the skills that they need? How do we help them navigate this world where everybody's telling them to get a mentor. How do you actually go out and get a sponsor? What are the steps that you need to do? So those are some of the things that we cover when we work with our clients. But people always ask this question, do we really need women-specific leadership training? Can't we just have a leadership training for everybody? I want to address that because most leadership training in the construction industry, and we talked a little bit about this yesterday, is transactional. Even early when I remember when I was working with the Ottawa Construction Association, I was looking like, who are the competitors? What are the other companies that offer leadership training to the construction industry? 
And when I looked around, the majority of them are people that have worked in the construction industry for 30 years, retired, and now started a leadership development company. And they're really sharing all of their advice, sharing their experience with the next generation. And the thing about that, it is very transactional. If this is how we did it in the past, I'm actually going to teach you how to do that. What we know is that men and women naturally have different leadership styles. And most leadership courses don't actually address this. They don't actually address the difference between transactional leadership and transformational leadership. Also, the fact that women face a double bind, which we talked about yesterday, which is 78% of women have told us in our survey that when they get feedback about their leadership skills, they're told you need to be more confident. But then 70% of them also have been told that they need to be less bossy. So if you follow that transactional leadership model, that top-down approach, which is the majority of training for the construction industry today, women are actually going to face that double bind and they're likely going to get that backlash and it's not actually going to move you forward. So one thing that we do in our courses is we really address it. So it's really like, you know what, this is a thing. It's no one's fault. It just is. But knowledge is power. So once you know it, you can be really strategic about how you overcome it. So the double bind, transformational versus transactional leadership and sponsorship versus mentorship. Like, unfortunately, the general advice today still really reinforces that mentorship stereotype that you really need to be prepared for that opportunity. So really shifting that mindset in that you can actually learn as you go. And there's this idea that you could leverage relationships. You can implement this concept of sponsorship so that you can actually take risks. And it, it, it's not detrimental for your career if it doesn't work out because you have those relationships, you've created those, you found that sponsor so that you can move forward and make it win-win. So that's really why we have specific training. We've developed content specifically for women. And I want to share a quote with someone who took our Leadership Foundations course back in June. And this is what she said. She says, I love meeting with other women in the construction industry. I was so hesitant to take this course as I didn't want the special treatment for women anymore. But learning here opened my eyes to the fact that we need the special treatment to understand and embrace the differences. Because most general leadership courses, they're not, they're not really, they're not layering in the fact that men and women have a different experience when they're rising to leadership, specifically in the construction industry. And the second thing, and I know lots of men have shown up to this session, and this is really exciting. And I will say to everybody here, there's this cultural transformation happening. And I feel like it just started two months ago. So when I started Ambition Theory, I knew when we started working with women, I knew I'm like, yes, I can coach these women. Yes, I can give them the tools to kind of get around these obstacles. But I knew I'm like, if we really want things to change, we actually need men to get involved. And we actually need men at the executive level to get involved. Because the reality is most industry leaders are men. There are a few women, but we need action at all levels. But the interesting thing was, is that companies would hire me to be like, can you do this thing for Women in Construction Week? Yes, we'll put women in your course. But when no one was really asking for me to talk to their executive teams, no one was really asking to like, what do we do from a cultural perspective? How can men be better allies? What are the things that we can do on an organizational level to move this forward? No one was asking those questions. Until two months ago, I will tell you, probably 
I think it's six organizations now have reached out to us asking, can you come and speak to our executive team about what their role could be? So that is really the exciting thing. I want to share a quote. So Brad Cole, he is the CEO of Lafarge in Western Canada. He came on our podcast about two months ago. What he said on our podcast is if each other party is thinking differently, but they never talk about how do we make this industry more inclusive? And the challenge is that most initiatives to date have put the burden on women. So there's mentorship programs, there's employee resource groups, and it's like, women, you need to solve this problem. And the really fascinating thing about this, and I was talking to a friend of mine last week who is in charge of the women's initiatives at her company, their last Women in Construction Week, they had their CEO, who's a man, be very, very involved. And she actually said she got backlash from the women. This is why is the man talking at our Women in Construction Week initiatives? Because literally, like, we just didn't know, like, the whole culture. It's not men versus women. The whole culture was like, you know what? This is a women's issue. Men don't need to be involved. But I think the awareness is really shifting in a really fast way. Like, I'm seeing it happen really rapidly right now that people are realizing this is actually a cultural issue. And we all need to step up if we want things to be better. And that leads me to really talking about the problem. Like, why haven't we made, why haven't we made progress? We've been talking about women in construction for years. Why are we not seeing women rising to that executive level? Why are we not seeing women in those leadership positions? Why are we not seeing as many? Again, it's most initiatives have been, have placed the burden on women. The exciting thing, like sponsorship today is a way that, you know, you can shift the burden from women to the organization. Other people can give it, get involved and say, you know what, I am going to create opportunities. I'm going to create opportunities. The best part about this, it's a win-win. It doesn't actually take anything away from you if you create an opportunity for someone else. That's the exciting thing about sponsorship. If you can educate your whole company about this concept, because people will absolutely get trapped in that mentorship cycle. This has been reinforced for women forever. You need to be 100% prepared before you actually take that risk, before you put yourself out there. Sponsorship can actually change that behavior because you have that sponsor that has your back. You have that person that can help you navigate the difficult situation if you've never done it before. And that is how you really accelerate. That is how you learn. And the wonderful thing about this is when you do a great job, it looks great on the sponsor too. So it's a really a win-win. What I love about sponsorship again is the time commitment. Like when it's a mentorship program where really mentorship puts all the onus on women, if you really think about it, there's not that many women in senior leadership roles. So actually you're asking these women senior leaders, the few of them to actually do their job, be that senior leader in their industry. They're dealing with the double bind as well. So they're having to deal with that, that every day. Then you're asking them to spend an hour every month meeting for coffee with the junior women so that they can get more women into leadership. And so it just really, the sponsorship model is less time, is a less of a time commitment. Really, it's about first understanding, finding those people. Who are those good people? Who are those people that are aligned with the goals that I want to achieve in the company? And how can I leverage them to make my goals happen? while giving them an opportunity. So I'm a senior leader perspective. It really is a win-win. You can move forward in your goals and actually you can create opportunities for others. And it really is shifts that burden off of women's shoulders. So we are going to be talking about 
actions, really making that shift. So sponsorship is one way that you can sh take shift the burden off of women's shoulders, really shift that culture in a way that creates opportunities for everybody. And on Friday, we're going to talk about things that can happen at an organizational level. So what do organizations need to do from a cultural perspective, engaging people from the top down to make that culture more inclusive and really shift the burden off of women's shoulders and onto the organization so that everybody can actually get involved. So my last ask is, can you please spread the word? I think Angelo sent me an email last week. He said, Andrea, this is revolutionary. Like nobody else is talking about it this way. So yeah, there is this great opportunity to really shift those stereotypes to think about diversity, equity, and inclusion in a different way. And if you could share this with the people that you work with, with your HR team, if there's an employee resource group, if share it on your LinkedIn, just help us spread the word so we can get more people talking about it this way, learning this way, joining in on the conversation. So please, please share the link because change is happening. People are ready. And I will tell you, if I asked you to share this link six months ago, I don't know if you get any traction, but I'm telling you the culture, people are ready to hear this message. People want to learn more. They're just waiting for that person to invite them and saying, here's a, here's a way to learn. Here's a way you can get involved. Here's a way for you to get curious. People are looking for that invitation. So if you could please share it, that would be amazing. And we have a couple minutes left. So does anybody have any questions or comments? Oh, Angela has a question again. Thank you for participating, Angelo. Yeah, no problem. It's, it's kind of similar to what I brought up the other session, but there's some other people that are here. So, you know, talking about the labor shortage kind of in general and, you know, getting more women, more diversity in construction. I think a lot of people like to talk about the problems, but not so much about the solution. Like it's one thing to acknowledge like, yeah, we need more women in the industry, but just Hiring a bunch of women is not working. And that's probably why we're at the point now where you're seeing a change in the industry. Because they're like, what do you mean we need more women? We just hired a bunch. But they come in and they're not welcome. And the system's not set up for them. And they fail and they go somewhere else. And that's probably what's happening. At least I know a couple of people that had similar things. So it's great that we're talking about you know, solutions here on how, how, what you're doing. So the question I have for you, it's actually a new one. So... Because we're, we're kind of working through it in a group I'm subgroup I'm in with all that's gone here. And, and mentorship is a naughty word, so I'm not allowed to say that. But that's why I like sponsorship. Have you had success or helped any other companies implement like a sponsorship program? Because some people think it's up to each individual employee to find their own mentor or sponsor versus setting up some sort of formal structure. What happens if you set up a formal structure and the people don't connect? It makes it awkward for each, you know party. So anyway, what are your thoughts on that? So I would say like the, the best approach, and this is research-based, it's really cultural. And one thing that construction companies get stuck on is really that transactional side, right? So what happens if the people don't connect? So we're going to match people. We're going to have this, this formal program where like, you're the sponsor, you're the protege. What if they don't connect? And the thing is, the challenge is, is like letting go for a little bit of that checkbox. So just really embracing the fact that sponsorship is a human behavioral model. It, it, it's based on that human behavior. But the thing is, if you just say, okay, well, it's human behavioral, we'll like just see how it plays out. It does, it still puts that burden on 
the people that need the sponsors, right? To actually find that sponsor. So the best approach, and this is what research says, is it really needs to come from the top down. So it needs to come from a cultural, from a behavioral perspective that at the top, they need to be educated. Like the executive team needs to be educated on these human behaviors. Like this is how human behavior plays out. And we know there's of all the research that's done about how to get women into leadership, sponsorship is the one that proves the best results to work the best. Sponsorship is the best one. So really starting from that top, educating people, this is how it works. This is the behavioral side of things and putting the onus of responsibility on the senior person. So really the best way to do it. And I saw this at a conference a couple of weeks ago. They shared about how they did it. It was like, if you are, and they, they had a policy, if you are VP or above, you are responsible for sponsoring two people that have a different background than you. So that onus of responsibility is on that senior person. And what they do, they are empowered to go out and find people that they connect with, find people that, you know, they're comfortable aligning their reputation with. So that onus to find the person is on that senior person. And then they're reporting back from that top down. So those junior people that could be that protege, they may not even know they are the protege. The other thing about sponsorship is it's a human behavior model. Most people, you don't actually ask, hi, will you be my sponsor? The example with Kevin, after the fact, I asked him like, Kevin, this is a case study for sponsorship. Can I use this as an example? But before this opportunity was created, we never actually talked about sponsorship. It just played out. And I think that's the thing that makes people really uncomfortable. And it like shifts us back to that mentoring model because mentorship is always documented, right? There's like a contract. These are the goals. We're going to meet three times a year. We're going to accomplish all these things. It's very tracked. Whereas for sponsorship to truly work, it's embracing that we are humans, embracing that behavioral side and then tracking it from the top down. So really putting the onus on those senior people and saying it's up to you to actually go find those people. They need to find those people because you can force someone to go for coffee and tell stories, give advice, but you cannot force someone to put their reputation on the line for somebody else. It's really hard to force somebody to do that. But if you create that space, it's like, this is the thing we're gonna do. We need more diverse people in leadership. So you go out find the person, connect with as many as you can. And when you find that person that's good, go, then you create those opportunities. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. It's more of an active process than just randomly matching two people based on the backgrounds. That's where I think, you know, other programs I've been in in the past kind of failed because of that. Well, not really. No, you just didn't take enough time to make a, a good connection and, and make it happen. So. Yeah. And I think it's really understanding the opportunity and that it's a win-win. Like I think a lot of the times with the mentoring program, if you're a mentor, if the motivation is, oh, you should give back. It's not tangible. Whereas with sponsorship, it's actually, you could make your project better. And I'll actually I have a really great example of someone. So this is someone a junior person that was one of our clients we were working with. She's like, I like the concept of sponsorship, but I don't understand, Andrea. How do I find a sponsor? So I'm like, okay, who are the senior leaders you know? We're going through these lists of questions. She's really struggling. She's like, well, there's a VP in the States that every time there's a conference, I always talk to him. He called me sometimes and we connect. I'm like, okay, tell me more. Who, like, tell me about this relationship. She goes on and on and on. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's your sponsor. Like they wouldn't be investing time in you if they didn't see potential in you. And if they didn't see value that they could get out of you. 
And she's like, no, 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 I don't, I don't really get it. And then she said something really powerful. She goes, yeah, the last time we talked, he said, you're my eyes and ears on the ground. And this is really where it can become so powerful. So when you're in construction, if you're in a senior leadership position, you actually can't be on every job site and you cannot know what is going on at every level in your company. And yes, there's formal reporting. So you should know like the reports of what's happening. But what's really happening, the things that don't go on the reports, you don't really have like that information. And that's the, the powerful thing about sponsorship. And when you have that relationship with that junior person, they will be able to tell you, is there a problem here that's not documented yet? Maybe the relationship with the client is going downhill, but there's no, you know, form to fill that out on that you can like share that information with the sponsor. And then it really becomes valuable because you have, as that senior person, you have all these people who you're aligned with, who you're creating opportunities for, but they're looking out for you too, because it really goes two ways. I think reinforcing the fact that it actually has to be a win for you as the senior person or else it's not going to work that will set people up for success yeah so it's it's really interesting too i've never worked in any other industry like i've been in construction for 16 years but i found especially in the last few years where i've started to think because you spend the first part of your career like honing in on the technical side of things right like i came from an engineering background so there's very quantifiable problems you can you know, if there's a problem, you can design a solution and you're, you know, you learn calculus and all this stuff and these different methods. But what they don't teach you is the interpersonal side of things, right? Like emotional intelligence. And that's what this stuff's all about. The whole unconscious bias, which you touched on, we're all going down our own tracks. And then somebody says, oh, you know, women don't feel comfortable in the workplace. I said, well, I have to change in order for that to change. And I don't really want to change. And I don't like that feeling. So let's just bring some more women in and they'll be okay. They'll figure it out. And then that's, that's the situation where it takes a lot to step back and say, acknowledge that there's a problem. Acknowledge that, yeah, we're not all just people. Everybody comes with a different background. Everybody operates differently, whether you're, you know, black, indigenous, people of color, women, if, like we acknowledge there's a difference or else it's not going to go away. So totally. I don't think that's a question. It's just the thought. Of um, it. Yeah. And this is what I love about the transformational leadership approach, because it's all about looking at the strengths of the team and finding out where they fit in the vision. So whatever that strength is, and it's really recognizing that, like giving yourself permission as the leader, when you're leaning into that transformational side is like, I actually don't have to know everything is actually kind of better and more effective if I actually just acknowledge that I don't know everything and these people on my team may know more than I do or may have a different perspective and I can actually if I engage them help them see where they can contribute that actually makes the team so much stronger and that really at the end of the day is the leader's job so that's why I love the transformational leadership model that helps really open up that opportunity for people does anyone else have any questions I'm just excited that somebody else finally gets it not everyone understands. I, I, similar to Angelo, I have the same amount of professional experience time, but living and working in Detroit my entire life, and it, it's an extremely blue collar heavy area, especially with all the automotive and building everything to help adjust to the automotive industry. And being at a job site is one of the most intimidating things that can happen to a 20-year-old college female trying to learn what's going on. So I just, I appreciate it. I'm very excited. This is the first one that I've been able to attend. So I'm just, I'm all giddy. I have all the feels right now. Oh, so I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, I appreciate you coming. Thank you for coming, Julie, and sharing that. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you everybody for attending again. 
this is a new way of looking at things and it's exciting what could happen with more people on board. This is the future, guys. Hey, before you go, I wanted to take a minute to read a review of our podcast. This one is from Angelider in Canada. Andrea is a world-class trainer, coach, and speaker. Her work here on the podcast is evidence of that expertise. As an engineer, I've seen firsthand how difficult it can be for women to thrive in the construction industry. Andrea's advice is not only spot on, it's actionable. I can guarantee that those who take action on Andrea's guidance will find a near immediate impact to their careers and lives and will set themselves up for next level success in the long run. Thank you so much for that generous review. We really love hearing from our listeners and I'm wondering if I can ask you a favor. Can you take a minute and leave us a five-star review and a comment on Apple Podcasts? That really helps us to get the word out so that we can keep making episodes for you for free. Thank you for listening.